Broadcasting from the Cradle of Liberty in Philadelphia. All the way to the rhythm and blues of Beale Street in Memphis. To high atop the Wasatch Mountains in Utah. This is where politically correct perception meets common sense. This is the Joe Carey Show. Welcome. Happy uh, Tuesday. Welcome to the Joe Carey Show here on KTalk 1640 AM. And I have good news. Uh, Bill de Blasio, after what, what has it been, about 10 days of uh, street crime, uh, rioting, looting, uh, sadly, uh, a spike in murder uh, in New York City. Mayor Bill de Blasio uh, came out and said that enough is enough. And this is a quote. We are not going to allow people to take the law into their own hands. He came out and said that. And I'm thinking, well, finally, you know, the big city mayor is very progressive, very liberal. This might pave the way for other mayors to stand up and say, yeah, we can't allow for this lawlessness. But he wasn't talking about the window smashers. He wasn't talking about the store burners. Do you know who he was talking about? Hasidic Jews who want their kids to play on a playground. And so what happened is the city, in order to limit uh, groups gathering, the city locked up all the playgrounds in uh, various parks around New York City. Well, if your kids used to play in those parks, you have to be looking and saying, well, wait a second. We can't social distance in this park, but the mayor is going to tolerate 30,000 people rioting in the streets where there's zero social distancing, where the enforcement of uh, the masks isn't being uh, enforced. So they're looking at this and saying, wait a second, we can't go to the park, but you're going to allow 30,000 people to riot in the streets. That makes no sense to us. So uh, these groups of Hasidic Jews, they have gone with bolt cutters and they are cutting the fences open for these closed parks. Well, this is too much for the mayor. I mean, the, the mayor is, you know, he's a law and order kind of guy. So he's like, I've got to stop this. This is the kind of chaos that leads to looting and burning. It's like, wait a second, Mr. Mayor, you already have the looting and burning. And shouldn't you be focused on? Remember the mayor's daughter? She went out and she was part of the protesting. And this was when the city and the state both had restrictions on being participants in groups over a size of what was it, 10? Did the mayor castigate his daughter? Did he say, look, you're setting a bad example? Did he say, look, I took her home and I told her this was unacceptable? No, he praised her. He held her out and said, I'm glad she did this. And at the time, I said, you can't do this to people. You can't say one set of rules applies to you if you believe a certain way, if you look a certain way, if you support certain causes, and then punish other people for doing the exact same thing if you disagree with the way they look or what they believe in. Because it leads to one massive confusion. People start to say, well, wait a second. Are these parks locked down because they're really afraid of spreading the virus? Or they just haven't gotten around to opening them. So they went around with bolt cutters and and they're opening up these fences. And that's when the mayor says, okay, enough is enough. 
and, quote, we're not going to allow people to take the law into their own hands. It's a good thing he doesn't heard about Chad or Chaz because I don't know what his brain would do. But this is the problem. So the mayor is telling everybody, just wait till June 22nd because, right, that's when phase two starts and these parks will reopen. The people refuse to believe the mayor. Why? Because it started with, hey, we're going to flatten the curve. We're only doing this to flatten the curve so the hospital systems aren't overwhelmed. When's the last time you heard the phrase flatten the curve? When's the last time you've heard that? Well, Joe, you just said, right, before I just said it, when was the last time you heard that phrase being used? Because it's forgotten. It's out of the lexicon. Because that's mission accomplished. We flatten the curve. Then it was, well, you know, stick around in your homes for another 30 days, another two weeks, another 30 days. Now, I tell you, it is night and day. Because between March and early June, I was in Philadelphia. And that really was lockdown. Businesses closed. You couldn't get your hair cut. Almost all the stores were closed. Then I come to Utah, and it is night and day. Every, everywhere you go in Philadelphia, you have to wear your mask. You have to put it on. Like the, it's on all the stores. Like if you don't have a mask, no service. I came to Utah my first day here. I'm getting groceries. And I realize I'm the only one in the store wearing a mask. Like it just hit. I'm like, wait a second. I'm, I'm the only one wearing a mask. So what do you think I do? Because I easily succumb to, you know, group think. I'm like, well, if no one else is wearing it. But that's absolutely amazing. And that's the power of your elected officials. So de Blasio, and it gets better, right? Because New York City, they're hiring thousands, I mean thousands of contact tracers. And we talked about contract, uh, contact tracers before. Basically, the city goes out and they're like, look, we need to know when this is starting to spread. And the way we stop it from spreading is if they know, you know, uh, Stan Smith has COVID, through contact tracing, you find out everybody that Stan Smith came in contact with over the last two weeks. And then you contact those people. You say, hey, you were in contact with Stan Smith. Uh, He had COVID, so you have to self-isolate. You can't do anything for the next two weeks. Well, that's a massive invasion of privacy because just think of this. Everywhere that Stan Smith's been, he has to disclose. And there might, be, there might be several reasons he doesn't want to disclose that. I mean, forget about, you know, maybe he's meeting with uh, business partners. Maybe he belongs to a particular religious denomination or a gun club or he's having an affair. He's supposed to disclose everywhere and everyone he's met for those two weeks. Then what do the contact tracers do? They contact all those people and find out who they were in contact with. Do you see how that might be a little disturbing at some level? Well, Bill de Blasio says, no reason to worry about it. He says, don't worry about it. We're going to destroy this information. I think it's, what, 30 days after they gather it, when, uh, when it turns out that there's no need to keep it, which is a huge caveat, they'll destroy that information. Do you believe that? 
Is there a part of you that says, I don't think they'll do that. A part of me thinks they're just going to keep it. So de Blasio says, don't worry, we're not going to target people. This is about health. This isn't about politics. I'm not going to target, you know, Stan Smith's friends just because they belong to a certain gun club. So then Mayor de Blasio was asked, well, you know, look at all these protesters and uh, the possible spread of COVID, right? No social distancing. They're shouting, they're yelling, you know, which causes that, uh, that uh, saliva to come out of your body into the air. You know what de Blasio announces? We're not going to do contact tracing for protesters. Well, wait a second. Isn't it more likely that it's going to be spread at a riot or protest than it is in a church where people are social distancing, where they're wearing masks, they're not, they're not even allowed to sing hymns because they don't want people bellowing out that saliva? So he won't do the contact tracing. And you've got to ask yourself why. Because wouldn't it be convenient for law enforcement to know who was at that protest, who was at that riot? So you identify Stan Smith as being one of the participants at the riot. Stan, who did you go there with? And when you went there, who else did you meet with? What stores did you go to? Oh, Stan Smith was at the four stores that were firebombed that night. Do you see why people now look at contact tracing and they look at the rules and regulations that are being imposed because of, of COVID-19 and they're saying, wait a second, if we crossed a line, is this now being weaponized by politicians? You're going to track who's at church. You're going to track who's buying guns, where they're buying guns, but you're not going to track people that may be part of a riot. So people get anxious about that. People start to look at this and say, well, wait a second. Are they really trying to stop the spread of COVID or are they trying to punish particular ideas or beliefs? When we come back, let's talk about Occupied Seattle, a new video emerging apparently showing the uh, commander in chief of Occupied Seattle handing out assault weapons, what that means and what's going to happen. We'll have that story next right here on The Joe Carey Show. K-Talk, 1640 AM. Balance of Nature. Changing the world one life at a time. I've had a lot of really great days back to back, which has been a huge blessing. Even my doctor told me, because uh, they asked me to bring everything in that I take on a daily basis. He was very encouraged by seeing what I was taking. And he, he said he didn't care how many I had. You know, he said it's food. And the form that at the end was something that he was very, because uh, he's an avid learner. And he's always researching and uh, he's, he's always excited to see new things. And he told me, this would be good. This will help you immensely with the nutrition that you need. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. 
Start your journey to better health today by calling 1-800-2468-751 or by going to balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. The healthcare enrollment period has just ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a health care program. Sign up for Liberty Health Share today. As a Christian health care sharing ministry, they are not insurance. So you can still sign up. There's no open enrollment period. You can sign up now and you can pick the program of your choice. You get to select your doctors and your hospital. They have programs for single individuals, for couples, and families. Best of all, there are no contracts. And plans start at only $199 per month. Go to libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey. That's libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey, K-E-R-R-Y. With a recession ending, if you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. Hi, this is Stan Ellsworth. You know, I know a little bit about history. I mean, me and that Harley and all. But social media, well, that's a mystery to me. So I turned to the good folks at Little Cloud. They helped me develop my social media. They call it an online footprint. I'm a pretty big guy. Little Cloud, they've created a pretty big online presence for me. Let them help you. Visit their website. Visit my friends at littlecloudmedia.com. Welcome back to the Joe Carey Show here on K Talk 1640 AM. Uh, thank you for tuning in and listening to the show. Uh, we're talking about just the uh, duplicity that we're watching from the uh, the political class and and what that means and how it affects us. Because you know the American people are very smart. They're insightful. They have good instincts, and part of those instincts is you know hey be skeptical of what your elected officials are telling you, and that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. So now they're talking about this contact tracing, and the politicians are saying, don't worry about it. Yes, we're going to have these lists of who you met with and where you went, but don't worry. They're going to be destroyed, you know, let's say every 30 days or after it turns out, you know, whether it's a false positive or whatever it is, after 30 days, those records are going to be destroyed. Well, it's interesting. I don't think there's any criminal penalty associated with if they're not destroyed. Well, if you're going to destroy them, let's add a criminal penalty that if it turns out they're not destroyed, those people responsible for destroying them, you know, these are the criminal penalties that are going to happen to them. Well, we don't need that. Now, we're not going to put criminal penalties in if we don't do what we say we're going to do. That wouldn't make any sense. But if you say you're going to do it, then why wouldn't you just add that language in? And I mean, think about this. Think about like lawyers and doctors and psychologists. So a lawyer turns out that he's diagnosed with COVID-19. Does he have to disclose the list of his clients that he's met with? 
I mean, that raises a whole host of ethical questions in terms of attorney-client privilege. What about the doctor? You know, like in family law, it's very uh, sensitive, and uh, it's not unusual for a husband or a wife to meet with their lawyer and say, you know what, my spouse doesn't know I'm here, but I'm considering a divorce. And, you know, when you call back, just call back between these hours, and, you know, if I don't answer, don't tell them that you're a lawyer. It's sensitive. Is the lawyer supposed to disclose? Yeah, I've met with all these people, and... Then what happens? You know, the contact tracer calls that home and says, hey, you know, Mary Beth was meeting with Stan Smith. And well, who's Stan Smith? Oh, he's a lawyer. Right. Husband goes to wife and says, why are you meeting with a lawyer? Same thing with doctor visits. Right. There's certain times maybe you go to a doctor you don't want people to know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about this condition or I have for whatever reason. But now under contact tracing, and then again, we don't know yet, but would they be required under penalty of law to disclose that information? We don't know. But we do know when contact tracing is applied differently to different groups, that can't be a good thing. Right. If the whole purpose of contact tracing is, look, let's identify one super spreaders. Let's let's identify those events or organizations or businesses where COVID-19 is spreading. That helps the medical community, the health community to look at those issues in those places and say, OK, you've got to clean better. You've got to do this differently, because if you don't, you're continue, you're going to continue to be a hub for the spread of COVID-19. And that's the purpose. But then if they start taking events like protests and riots and start saying, you know what, we're not going to do contact tracing there, doesn't that undermine the efficacy or the rationale behind the entire operation? Doesn't that undermine everything involved with, hey, we're going to identify this so we can stop it? So you got to ask yourself, why? Why are they not doing contact tracing at these riots and at these protests? And I get it. I get part of it, which is, hey, you know what? Somebody walks into a protest. They're not going to know the protesters around them or the rioters around them. Well, can't you make the same argument for walking into a Walmart or a Home Depot? You're not going to know everybody that you pass, but you're still going to identify and say, I was at that Home Depot. Well, who did you bump into? Well, there was a cashier. And there were like six people in the, the hammer aisle that I walked by. So you, you can't make the argument that just because we don't know everybody who we came into contact with, that's a reason to exclude that event from contact tracing. I think the, the, the logical argument is just that they don't want to know. Because if they have that information, that information can be weaponized against protesters and rioters. Right. You know, Bill de Blasio's daughter went to a protest. So a contact tracer would reach out to her and say, OK, you were at the protest. Yes. Who did you go with? Oh, and then you came home. Did you come back to this home with your mom and dad and your brothers and sisters? 
then all of a sudden you get to know where, you know, well, who was Mayor Bill de Blasio meeting with? Who was his wife meeting with? Who were the other brothers and sisters meeting with? Wouldn't that information carry the same amount of medical importance and urgency as a contact tracer finding out who you bumped into at a uh, Home Depot or at church? So the fact that they won't do it just it gives rise to all these questions. And not just political questions, constitutional questions. Does the Constitution permit the government to know who you're talking to and who those people are talking to? And will you curtail your contact or how you contact in order to avoid having to disclose that information? And again, I think those suspicions, I think people get suspicious when they're like, well, wait a second. Why doesn't this apply to everybody? Why does this only apply to these groups and not these groups? And that's what happens when you don't have this, this rule of law, this understanding that the same rules apply to everyone who is similarly situated. When you start saying, look, all these people are the same. They're doing the same activity, but we're going to start treating them differently. That's when people start to lose faith in their elected officials. That's when people start to look at this and say, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense to us. Uh, I also want to talk about this video that came out. Apparently it's showing uh, in occupied Seattle. It used to be called Chad. I think it's called Chaz now. Uh, their presumed leader. I say presumed because everyone there is saying, well, it's not us. But it's rapper uh, Raz Simone. And there's video of him apparently giving out uh, an AR-15 from the back of his Tesla. Now, you heard that right, from his Tesla. So the same people who are saying, hey, we're all socialists, we've all got to live alike, and you know, we're here this for the common man and for the common cause. He pulls up in his Tesla, he opens the trunk, and he's pulling out an AR-15 and he's handing it to someone on the street. And do you know what I find interesting? The silence with which that is met. I mean, how many gun control groups are there out there? Not one has stepped up and said, hey, this isn't right. Not one has come up and said, this has to stop. This is going to lead to violence. Now, why is that? And again, it's this notion that people aren't vested in the cause as much as they are scoring political points. So is it, is it really about gun control or is it about a bigger narrative? I didn't see a gun control check taking place. I don't know, maybe, maybe in Seattle that's a new thing. You just roll up in your Tesla, pop open the trunk, and hand out AR-15s. When we come back, I want to talk about the 2020 election. Joe Biden does a video stream yesterday, and at one point only 68 people were watching. 68 people. We'll have that story and more right after this break.
USA Radio News with Tim Berg. President Trump is going into the details regarding a new executive order on police reforms. I'm signing an executive order encouraging police departments nationwide to adopt the highest professional standards to serve their communities. The president hosting an event at the Rose Garden also says he feels sorry for the victims of police violence and their families. To all of the hurting families, I want you to know that all Americans mourn by your side. Your loved ones will not have died in vain. Retail sales increased 18 percent in May, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. The news comes as states begin to slowly and safely reopen their economy. Now, economists had predicted sales would rise by 7.4 percent. Investors on Wall Street happy to hear the news as the Dow has been up over 800 points at times during trading on Tuesday. This is USA Radio News. When thinking about life insurance, my accident reinforced you never know what tomorrow might bring. That's why I reached out to AccuQuote. AccuQuote helps people find a life insurance policy that meets their needs. Since 1986, they've helped millions of folks save up to 60% on their life insurance by comparing the rates and features of dozens of top-rated life insurance products. A healthy 50-year-old non-smoker can buy a half a million dollars of 10-year level term for less than 45 bucks a month. A 60-year-old under 120 bucks a month. Longer or permanent terms are available. Even if you already own life insurance, you really need to check out my friends at AccuQuote. Don't worry about health issues. Remember, they help me. As a pastor, I'm concerned about your soul and helping you to make sure your family is taken care of. Life insurance is more affordable now than ever, so don't make them wish you'd made that call. 877-437-4781. Call now, 877-437-4781. 877-437-4781. policy forms and availability vary by state. The Senate is in session, but many are wondering when the House will be. As we hear from USA Radio Network's Chris Barnes in Washington. Senate Majority Leader Republican Mitch McConnell says Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has kept her chamber on, in his words, the longest-running spring break in history. He said this morning on the Senate floor that the Democratic-led House should be back in session as the country faces a once-in-a-century pandemic. Over in the Democratic-led House of Representatives, the lights are off. The doors are locked. There's nobody home. Deaths from COVID-19 could reach 200,000 in the United States by October. That's according to a new model that has been very influential in policymaking. The model, maintained by the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington, now is projecting just over 200,000 deaths by October 1st. Currently, there are just over 2.1 million confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the United States. This is USA Radio News. Hey, welcome back to the Joe Carey Show. You know, I just uh, there's a new uh, uh, Rasmussen uh, report poll that's out. And uh, you may recall he was one of the only pollsters to get it right when it came to the uh, 2016 election and Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. He just came out with a new uh, poll that showed, now this is kind of disconcerting. The poll finds that 34% of voters, right? So these are, you know, technically more active, more civic-minded. 34% of likely U.S. voters believe the United States will experience a second civil war sometime in the next five years. 34% of likely U.S. voters believe that sometime in the next five years, there will be a second civil war. 
I guess if you're looking for a silver lining, only 9% believe it's very likely. The rest, eh, it's just likely. And I thought about that number, and I'm like, why? Why 34%? Two years ago, was it 31%? And I'm convinced that it's because we don't watch out for each other anymore. We don't look at each other as neighbors and as communities. And we're always told, you know, someone else will take care of that. Someone else will do that. Our next guest, uh, Matt Bellis with Liberty HealthShare, they've designed a company where it's not someone else that's going to take care of your neighbor or your community. That obligation is on you. That responsibility is on you. And having that responsibility actually brings people closer together. Matt Bellis with Liberty HealthShare, thank you for joining us. Wow, that is a fantastic way uh, to present that, because I think you're absolutely right. It it is our job, uh, frankly, to be our brother's keeper. And it is our job to uh, to look out for one another, not in a uh, in an impressive way, <laughs> but in a way right. that uh, makes sure that those within our community are taken care of and uh, are, are are people that are going to be whole in the end. So uh, yeah, a fantastic way to present that. And uh, frankly, I might have to steal that myself. <laughs> but but Matt, like, do you see that like on your end? Because I, I can't see it. But to me, it just makes sense. Like we're told that. You know, we love people uh, more when we serve them, right? When we're going out of our way to help people, we're told that increases our level of affection. It increases our level of friendship and love. Do you see that in the Liberty HealthShare model? Because your model is, yeah, everybody in, in the Liberty HealthShare community is taking care of one another. So do, do you see it manifesting itself? And if so, How? You know, <laughs> again, I have to say you're very perceptive because we've had this discussion with other people who have said, well, really, what is the difference and why does it change uh, just the, the mere fact of where this money comes from? You know, because we as a healthcare sharing ministry are all individual self-pay patients who share in our, each other's medical expenses. But in the end, the hospitals get paid, the, the people are paying a portion of it, and you know, there's money coming elsewhere. But why does it matter? And, and frankly, I have to say, the evidence within our community is why it matters. Because people start taking responsibility for their decisions. They start becoming wiser healthcare consumers. They actually spend less on healthcare rather than more. Uh, they actually are, are asking questions of their doctor and their hospital and are engaged in what the cost of health care is, and that brings the cost of health care down. I mean, on average, we're seeing a decrease of medical bills up to 60 percent, if not on larger medical bills, 80 to 90 percent off of bill charges. So we're seeing a wiser healthcare consumer. We're seeing a more engaged uh, uh, patient when it comes to their 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 actual needs, but we have a community that is coming together to take care of one another, and when you put the right things first, when you do things in a way that is morally correct, you get ancillary benefits and behaviors that you didn't plan on. Rather than trying to come up with some complicated scheme to take care of medical bills, uh, who then have uh, uh, unforeseen consequences that you weren't planning on. 
we have the unforeseen consequences just in a positive direction. So, uh, you know, the, the way in which we have this as a healthcare sharing community, even though we have a group of people taking care of each other's medical bills, it does make a difference in the end result of actually increasing the availability, increasing the, the uh, wise usage of healthcare, and decreasing the cost of, uh, of the healthcare experience. Matt, let me ask you this. Uh, the president has signed an executive order, and, and I believe it's going to require hospitals to start posting costs for procedures. Now, it's being challenged in court, and it may never see the light of day. But what the president is saying is that, look, it's important for transparency. People need to know what this is going to cost so they can make an informed decision, right? Because if it affects their pocketbook, if it affects their bottom line, they're going to be more active and more involved in that decision that's the Liberty Health Share model, which is, you know, you're responsible uh, for your health first and foremost. And because people know that, they make better decisions. Uh, let me ask you this. How does the um, uh, Liberty Health Share model in terms of transparency, when you go in to meet with a doctor or a, a certain medical procedure, is there that type of transparency with the Liberty Health Share model, or uh, is the medical community uh, still uh, opaque in that regard? Well, I'll say that the Liberty Health Share's desires of price transparency are very high. <laughs> we want to have that transparency, but we do want to see it from the ground up rather than from the top down. Because whenever you have things from the ground up, it really is based in how do we help the consumer become a better patient rather than we've just got to do this to comply with regulations. Uh, and whenever you actually have uh, facilities that take care of that model in terms of how do we make sure that those uh, individual patients are actually uh, taken care of by our health transparency of the cost transparency, uh, you actually have better outcomes in the end. We often run into the issue now where doctors and hospitals are still, like you said, opaque on cost transparency, and our members have to just say up front, how much is this going to cost me uh, to finally get a real answer? And sometimes, you know, that the answer that they receive in the doctor's office is not necessarily what we see in the final bill. But the more that we have a groundswell of individuals taking control and actually taking the ability for the cost of health care, we're going to see the shift in health care that is necessary, that is consumer-based rather than regulatory or bureaucratic-based. And you're, that's when you're going to see some real change when the consumer and the patient is empowered rather than just hospitals and doctors trying to comply with a particular regulation. If you'd like to learn more, go to libertyhealthshare.org, libertyhealthshare.org. They have plans for singles, for couples, for families. It is worth the time to visit the site, and if you have any questions, there's a 1-800 uh, number you can reach out to. Matt, thank you so much again for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me. That's libertyhealthshare.org, and, and I want to tell you, I, I, this Rasmussen report, and I'm sure that there's always a percentage of people who believe, you know, we're going to have this second civil war, you know, this year. 
But we do know that it was 31% two years ago with now up to 34% of people believing, yeah, it's likely that the United States is going to experience this second civil war. And, and a large part of me believes it's because we don't know our neighbors. We don't know our communities. Like we're talking about building bridges between, you know, different uh, people and different communities. We struggle to build communities in our own neighborhood. Unless you're in Chaz, because there apparently it's one giant block party all day, every day. But think about it. Like how well do you know your neighbors? How well do you know, you know, that family, maybe even not next door. Maybe three, three houses down, four houses down. And it's because those institutions that used to bring us together regularly, they're disappearing. Wasn't it to Tocqueville who said, wow, one of the great things about America is there's organizations for everything. And those organizations brought people together and you could see and say, you know what, we're different. We don't believe everything the same, but you know, they're good people. And they're going home and they're saying the same thing about you and your family. We don't see that much anymore. When we come back, I want to talk about the attacks on monuments, what it really means and what it's really doing. We'll have that story next right here on The Joe Carey Show. K-Talk, 1640 AM. to hear a commercial for a very unique mortgage team that has a very specific advantage that could save your family monthly and lifelong money. Two things you should know. One, we were started by a dad and his son and his wife and his sister-in-law, and we've grown to be a faith-focused mortgage team that's helping families across the U.S. We're faith and family at our core, and we don't hide it. Two, we've still stayed fairly small, on purpose. We're only about a couple dozen people, a makeup that we believe lets us truly know every person that calls. But we also have a big advantage. Our company is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, a reality that often allows us to get you a better rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park, Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. The healthcare enrollment period has just ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a healthcare program. Sign up for Liberty HealthShare today. As a Christian healthcare sharing ministry, they are not insurance. So you can still sign up. There's no open enrollment period. You can sign up now and you can pick the program of your choice. You get to select your doctors and your hospital. They have programs for single individuals, for couples and families. Best of all, there are no contracts. And plans start at only $199 per month. Go to libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey. That's libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey, K-E-R-R-Y. 
with a recession ending. If you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. Hi, this is Stan Ellsworth. You know, I know a little bit about history. I mean, me and that Harley and all. But social media, well, that's a mystery to me. So I turn to the good folks at Little Cloud. They help me develop my social media. They call it an online footprint. I'm a pretty big guy. Little Cloud, they've created a pretty big online presence for me. Let them help you. Visit their website. Visit my friends at littlecloudmedia.com. So if you've been watching the news, and this has been going on for a while, the the left is determined to pull down uh, every monument. And I'm convinced of that. I, I don't think it's going to stop with, uh, you know, those who practiced uh, overt uh, acts of uh, racism. I, I really believe this is a concerted effort to do this decoupling, this untethering from history. And you see it, right? In every revolution, uh, you witness this. The, the revolutionary forces pull down the, the icons and the heroes of the past. And they do it for a couple reasons. They do it for a couple reasons. But I, I wanted to start with this story, and I, and I think I've shared it before, but about two summers ago, uh, I was here in Utah with uh, my kids, and I said, you know, I really want to go to uh, Delta, Utah. I want to go to Camp Topaz. And of course, you know, the kids are like, Dad, you know, Camp Topaz. And I explained, you know, it's an internment camp and what that was. And, and so we were able to work it up uh, on a, uh, there's really no convenient way to get there. I mean, they're, well, if we go here, maybe we can just cut out, you know, and just take a little detouring. You really can't. Like, if you're going to Camp Topaz in Delta, Utah, it's because that's where you're going. It's not like, yeah, we're down our, you know, through Vegas, we'll just stop on the way down, or we're going to California. You, it doesn't work that way. So we went to uh, Delta, Utah. We went to Camp Topaz, and there is a, I think it's a recently constructed, but there's a museum that's dedicated to remembering what took place at that facility. And, you know, those of you who know, you know, during World War II, uh, Franklin Roosevelt signed an executive order, which basically said, look, if you're Japanese American and you're living on the coasts, you're going to be relocated. And they were given a sent this notice in the mail, given so many days to sell their stuff, then board a train. And it told them exactly what they were allowed to bring. And then they were going to go to uh, an internment camp where they would live their lives until the end of the war. Now, their crime, the reason they had to board these trains, the reason they had to sell their stuff was for simply being Japanese-American, of being of Japanese descent. And the fear was, you know, the Japanese are fiercely loyal to their emperor. Could we trust, as a country, could we trust Japanese living on the coasts not to ally with our enemy? 
so they were told to sell their possessions. And I forget how long, they, it wasn't a long time. Like it was, it was an abbreviated period of time where they were, had to sell what they owned. And then they had to choose, let's say they were limited to two bags on the train. You know, that's what they were allowed to take per person. Think about that. You're living at home in a home that you picked in a country that you think you're equal to your neighbor. And all of a sudden you're told you have 30 days to sell what you can pack up, be at this train at this time. You're going to a center where you're going to live for the duration of the war. All the questions you must have, right? Am I going to be able to leave? Do I have to stay there? Am I going to be able to visit? Can I make phone calls? Can I send letters? And we went to Camp Topaz because I thought it was important for my kids to learn that from history. I thought it was important, and I still think it's important that you go there and you tell your kids what happens. Right, that we invest all this power with elected leaders and sometimes they get it horribly wrong. And they send people to internment camps. And I thought it was important for them to know that it was a Democrat. And I thought it was important for them to know that these individuals did nothing to earn them that ticket to the middle of nowhere. Now, if you haven't been to camp, you've been there, right, Brian? You've been to Delta, Utah and Camp Topaz. For those of you who haven't been to Delta, Utah, imagine the dark side of the moon. Because that's what I, it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, they're just desert. And they construct a camp. And remember, they were throwing these camps up post haste. And you were freezing in the winter and you were sweating in the summer in these facilities. And no matter how relaxed or nice they tried to make it to be, you still were not free, right? You still weren't able to come and go as you wanted to do. And at this museum, they show different projects that different uh, uh internment individuals were working on and a lot of it is art and they have some letters that uh, that uh, these camp uh, detainees that they would send each other and you would see on the envelopes right it would they would all read you know reviewed or censored and so every letter you were sending someone was reading and every letter that you received someone had read because they had to make sure that you weren't spying or passing along confidential information or information that could benefit the enemy. Now think about if that camp wasn't there, all the lessons that you teach from that about power and abuse of power. And then you also teach about, you know, the Supreme Court case, Korematsu, where the court tried to rectify the, the sins of the country. Decades later, the court took on that decision, right? Because the court said it was okay to intern them. 
decades later came back and said, we got that one wrong. And you, you talk to your kids about that and you help them understand what a powerful lesson that is. And I think that's what these monuments represent. Right? You go there and you just don't look at the Washington Monument. You talk about the plaque that's, you know, that, that's on top of that edifice that says Laos Deo. And you talk about why the Founding Fathers put it there, why they wanted it there. Not the Founding Fathers, but the builders. Like why that was important. And it's not just a time to sit around and do a, a kumbaya about the greatness of the country, although that should take place. But it's okay to talk about mistakes and it's okay to talk about how we got it wrong because that's how we know we can fix it. That's how we know change can happen. But when you erase history and pulling down monuments, that's really what it is, right? You're just erasing history. You lose the opportunity to have those conversations with your kids, with your neighbors, with your community. And you begin to untether yourself from the lessons of history. Because they're not just destroying a structure. They're also erasing the lessons that we've learned, the progress that we've made. And they're creating this massive vacuum, right? Because if you tear down a structure and you say, this person is not worthy of having this edifice erected to them, then you're only a step away from saying, if we're not, if the person's not worthy of having a statue, they're certainly not worthy of having their ideas taught in schools. They're certainly not entitled to a presumption that what they've built has done great things. And isn't that really where this is going, right? So you tear down the statue of Thomas Jefferson like they did. Then it's easier to make the argument, you know what, this whole Declaration of Independence, this whole Constitution, ah, eh, you know what? If he were really that great, they'd have a monument to him. Yeah, but you just took down the... Right? Like, isn't that the logic? Isn't that the progression of where we're going? Because then it's going to be, you know, these constitutional principles, they were all created by these people, and, and we know what we think of them because we dumped all those statues in the river. And then you're just that much closer to taking these ideas which have brought greatness, greatness in so many ways to billions of people on this planet. It's not to say that we got everything right. But when you throw the baby out with the proverbial bathwater, be very careful because there's a massive vacuum that has to be filled with ideas, with structures, with institutions. And I guarantee you, people are looking at that and saying, what could we put there? What should we put there? Remember, three things. Take the time to get right with God. Be kind to each other. Stressful times. We need to watch out for each other. Stay tuned. Brian Hyde up next right here on K-Talk, 1640 AM.